Hello, and welcome to a very special edition of the Quest for New Inspiration. I am here to share my recent panel and discussion about mental health in 2050 with some very incredibly inspiring people. They each share their stories and journeys through mental health, as well as their perspective on mental health in 2050. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did, and I hope each one of them inspires you as much as they've inspired me. Hello, everybody. We are here with you to talk about mental health in 2050. This is a, a, a part of our Meaningful Trends project, and we are exploring all different topics. And today's topic is very dear to my heart. I think to everybody's here probably has uh, a story to tell and has an experience. And that's why they're here, because they're really passionate about, you know, creating a change in the situation with mental health right now in perhaps in the communities, maybe even in the world, right? So I personally work in the the, uh, field of innovative therapy. I believe that the therapy as it is right now is a little bit limited. We need to be more creative. We need more people. We need more awareness. We need to make it mainstream. That's my belief. This is what I, where I see the future go. I think uh, kids at school need to be educated about mental health, how to help themselves, first of all, understand the emotions, understand, I mean, all of you are going to be guys pitching in because I know, you know, a lot about that, how to create that great mindset. Um, so, and my belief and my vision for the future is that we are, we are not going to be so traumatized and we're going to stop that cycle of cycle of abandonment, cycle of abuse, cycle of suffering, mental, emotional suffering that could be avoided if only we started doing something now and started specifically what I believe started doing something as parents. So our kids would already be better, better parents to their kids. And this, this way in the future, we will probably see something happening in which sort of a better way comparing to what's, uh, what the whole humanity going is going through now. So I have an amazing panel here. So I would love for you to uh, super, super briefly introduce yourself because, guys, I encourage everybody to find uh, my guests' bios on in our group, read, ask me questions, connect with them. I hope you are open to be personally connected with people. Um, and, um, other than that, we're going to dive deep into the question of how do you see mental health in 2050? So I would love to start with Sean. Could you please tell us about yourself? And, uh, I know that you're in the middle of your big projects as well. So tell us right now what you're doing and share with us. What do you see in the future? Well, first and foremost, thank you for inviting me. Um, I am, I have nothing but gratitude to meet all the people that are on the panel. I know that you guys obviously taking time out of your day. Um, time is obviously there's two ways you're going to pay people, your time or credit card. So your time is extremely valuable. And I appreciate, uh, you guys bringing this awareness because I believe that everything happens through a conversation. Um, we, um, part of mental illness is not being able to talk about the very things that keep us in our own head. We are our thoughts. Um, I, I'm someone that 
Uh, I've had a career in business. I was a former NFL player. I've done a lot in my life. uh, I'm 53 years old and I've seen a lot. I live in New York City, uh, probably a city that has more mental illness in North America because of the, 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 the trauma that people face every single day. Um, on top of each other. It's a very small island with over 15 million people. So I see it on different levels. And, and one thing that I think people really need to know is mental illness has nothing to do with money. It has to do with upbringing, has to do with being able to speak about it. Um, it's something that has, has had a stigma for a really long time. And I got diagnosed around 35 um, I grew up in a family that really was about going to church and praying. And I didn't come from a pedigree of people that went to therapy or even think about being diagnosed. Um, I was lucky enough to have someone that was a little bit more educated than me, who was a producer at ABC. And he had done many things in the Gulf War. He worked for uh, Bush One. He saw a lot of high-level journalists go through trauma. And for me, I was like, well, why would they go through trauma? They're educated. And he goes, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have a face on. And I think the beauty of the diversity of this call is that we have women, men. um, It it affects children, older people. It's a very thing that we need to understand that it has no face on it. And the best way to be able to reach people is to tell them your story. And a lot of people don't have the security to do that because they think they're going to be shamed. Um, I'm someone that started to talk about my mental illness and health uh, right around 45, 50. Um, And I've been an activist in many spaces. I work with many different companies here in New York and abroad. Um, I've, I've been able to reach a lot of people. And I did think about the stigma that might come if I spoke about things that people might not perceive me dealing with, but I was like, no, it's my superpower now. These are the very, I'm going to use this to really help me move forward in my life. Um, I think as far as the understanding that anxiety in itself affects millions of people all over the country, but we do not know how to deal with it. I'll give you a a quick story. I have something that I have a project going on right now. And right before I made this call, I was worried about where I was going to do it because I had to leave a lunch. And I was starting to get anxiety because it's a lot of noise outside. And I didn't want to be unprofessional because it wasn't just me taking a call. I needed to be setting down. I needed to be cool. It's hot outside. So you know what I did? I wrote a note. I said, I cannot think about this right now. I'm going to get back to it. And it's on the paper right here. Wow. Mm -hmm. So I put it to the side and now I'm focused on what I'm doing. Literally, what I just taught you, it took me 35 years to to do. And I'm going to get back to this because that anxiety is not going to take away from my performance and giving you guys 100% of my focus. And I think when we start thinking about the future, um, we need to understand too that culturally we're all different. Um, People come from different backgrounds. They're brought up differently, pedigrees different, how we look at the, the world is different because we don't talk to one another. Um, we don't understand people's objectives. We don't understand their purpose. Some people don't have a purpose. And what I'm seeing now is um, I'm working with a company right now that's doing a gamification um, with mental health. And I think that the, the future is going to have apps and technology tied into what we're doing right now. 
what we might fail to realize is that we're using technology to communicate. It's called Zoom, right? So imagine having a therapy session based around someone being able to talk to you and get you through the day so you don't commit suicide, so you don't go off on a bender with the drugs. You won't do all the things that people do that might have some type of biological, chemical reaction in their brain. Um, Another thing I think that's going to be extremely important is, is tech interface, being able to interact with one another without having to leave your home. I think sometimes isolation can be bad for you. I'm, I'm someone that's an only child, so I always kind of felt uh, safe at home. I wouldn't go out and interact. And that's really a lot of anxiety. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a very friendly person, but when I get in my own head, I don't want to be around people. And that's not good. Um, so I think technology interface, um, biometrics is going to be a big part of the future. But gamification, I think, is something that's really big. Uh, it's going to be a nuance of being able to uh, interact and do things based off learning about yourself um, and, and having and feeling comfortable and safe. I would say people flourish when they're safe. Um, I know KT and I know that she would never bring me in a space that wasn't safe. So her validation is you guys. So I feel very safe. And I'm, I'm sure you guys feel very safe based off the validation of others that we can sit here and openly talk about these things. I think the third thing or the fourth thing would be culture. I know we don't talk about culture because they want to make things where everyone's the same. We're not the same. People grow up differently. We don't know people's backgrounds. You don't know if they're being abused. You don't know if they grew up around alcoholics. You don't know if they grew up around drug abuse. You don't know people's situation. So we can't have judgment or pass judgment on people that we don't know. And what happens is that starts at a very early age. So a lot of times the, the trauma that we're dealing with we carry that on into our adult lives and we never come out of it. And so we miss that part of our life because no one's ever identified that maybe you have something going on inside your head that you need to be able to talk about. Um, and I think there's cultural differences. Like for instance, I know in the Bronx, New York, it's different than my hometown, Hutchinson, Kansas. People are going to have different trauma in different situations based off their environment. I'm a big guy on environment. I think that environment can help you. So beginning in a safe space, like for instance, I just got through saying, I wanted to be in a quiet space where I could focus and not worry about noise. And I knew that I didn't want to to disappoint KT by not making this call. That's important to me. So something like that is part of mental illness, mental health, of getting out of my head. As you saw, I wrote down the notes. And I'm going to get back to this, but I wanted to make sure that I was 100% focused here. And I, I'm i here. I'm here and I'm present. I'm focusing on the things that I want to talk about. And I'm so glad that we're having this conversation. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. There's so much that you said that is like, it's big. I mean, just to, um, I was thinking about it too. There are tools that you could be using immediately to get yourself out of stress out of st- and help yourself. I think that's part of um, maybe the education, the future that is definitely has that present, right? For the, for the kids, for the adults, for anybody, how can I help myself first, right? And then, of course, that um, availability, accessibility of help, of professional help, that's huge as well. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I want to ask you, actually, 
about your this project about bullying, anti-bullying, because that like on the top of everything that you said, all the all the cultural differences, all the trauma that could be happening from the upbringing, which is I feel like you know myself being in a field for thirty something years now, you know, and including other psychotherapists, I see that there's a lot of pain in the world. In my world, it's almost I've never met anybody who hadn't been somehow affected or traumatized. So even if, in the, uh, as myself now as a high-performance coach, it doesn't matter to me. I know that we, if you dig di- deeper, you will find something there that has to be actually healed. Mm-hmm. And, um, but bullying is that another thing that is happening, especially in the, for, for young kids, it's just so scary where... You think of, you know, not only the upbringing, not only the, I would say, I call it generational PTSD, when the trauma is carried on from generations to those kids. But when they go into the environments, into their communities, also bullying could happen. I, can you tell us a little bit about your project? Um, is it still going or? Yeah, going? It's still, it still exists. It's called Being the Know About Bullying. Um it's um it's something that I felt very passionate about. Um, it wasn't, um, you know, my my I've been asked this over a decade since I've had this nonprofit that ties to why I do it, and it's interesting. My answer has evolved over the years because now that I'm older and I reflect, I think a lot of it wasn't really about the initial the initial part of being bullied. It was more about my empathy of others that I felt like were not being included. Um, I was a kid that was always picked first when it came to sports. And I used to really pace. It would be the same three or four kids in my grade school. And I would feel some kind of way. And I didn't know why I felt that at eight or nine years old, because I was always picked first. And I think it carried on through junior high. And then around high school, I kind of forgot about it because um, I didn't, people weren't playing, you know, kickball or things where people had to participate. It was more uh, you know, activated by team sport. And then when I got to college, I realized that so many NFL players were light, which is now, you know, pop culture. You know, people are, that are popular are pop stars or pop culture. And that's where the word comes from. And I started to realize, like, all these people that are so popular that are embedded in pop culture, they're not using their likeness in a way that they could actually empower others. So I was like, how, what can I do and what can I put together that ties to one, I'm not just going to be an advocate of bullying, but I want to put a curriculum and an education component behind it so I can really back up the things that I'm actually doing. So I sat with two uh, specialists from LA and New York in the Midwest, going back to culture, right? People are different in the Midwest than they are in the, in the East Coast. And even though we all have similar issues, the culture is different. And that's why I brought up the word culture. It's something that I think a lot of people overlook. And I'm like, what can we do to put together that we can help empower kids to be better leaders, but more importantly, use their popularity to empower the kids that might not feel good about themselves. So I sat down, I wrote a curriculum K through 12, and I speak around the country on this and I implement this curriculum and it's customized for each school. Um, a, a, a school in rural Kansas is not going to be the same in the Bronx, New York. Um, we needed to make sure that we were doing the right thing because culturally, a lot of these kids are going through something different than what I grew up with. 
And a lot of the kids that grew up where I grew up are going through something different than the kids in the Bronx. And for me, that was extremely important to be able to use NFL players, celebrities that I know to be able to participate in it, to say, hey, what you're doing is not cool. It's not going to make you even make you more popular. It's actually a bad thing. And it takes a very powerful person to stand up for that, you know, and I think we, we have people that are called bystanders. Those are the people that set and see something wrong and they don't do anything about it. And then we have people called upstanders. And those are the people that stand up when they know something's wrong. Um, I grew up with a family and a father that said, hey, make sure you let them know that they wronged you and you can still be a part of it. But I wouldn't, I, I, didn't, I didn't feel comfortable with a lot of these kids that were being bullied and not having a platform or a skill set to be able to help themselves or a place to go where they felt safe and they had the education to be able to combat the bullying. So that's why I created Being the Know About Bullying and also tied to me as an adult, uh, you know, being able to talk about mental awareness, uh, self-awareness, things that were important to me. And as I got older, I felt more and more confident and more educated on being able to speak about it publicly because I knew what I was talking about. And so I've empowered a lot of children, a lot of college athletes, and a lot of pro athletes to be able to turn that on its head. Use your popularity to actually empower someone else that might not have the things that you have. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for all the work you're doing because it is like so, so important. So, so important. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, if people wanted to find you or join your project to support your um, foundation or project um, mm -hmm. cause, how can they reach to you? How can they find you? Where would you recommend them to go? I think the easiest way that I would see it and know that it was... Um, know that there was um it, it would be quick for me to get to would probably be my social media i would say email but i think social media is a lot easier because i'm more active on that and my twitter and instagram is the same uh handle it's sean james s-e-a-n-j-a-m-e-s 23 um on twitter and instagram um and that's probably the quickest way to um, get my attention um I, I work with many different organizations around the country um, and outside the country. So, you know, if anyone, you know, would want to, one, find out about being the know about bullying, maybe become an ambassador or implement it into your school. And I want to say this too. I want to make sure people understand this. Bullying is not a kid's I think we use the word bullying. We think it's about youth. The biggest bullies in the world are adults. And we need to let people know that that's where it comes from. It comes from mimic behavior. Kids mimic their parents. They mimic the people that are at home. So we need to be aware of the, how we speak to one another, the kindness and the empathy and the sympathy that we have for one another. So let's not make this like, oh, you run a bull. I get that all the time. Oh, you do so many things for the kids. No, I actually need to be doing this for the adults because you guys are the problem. And I want people to understand that bullying is something that happens in corporate America. I have a program for corporate people that are being bullied in the office. Uh, they're being isolated and not being invited to different things that go on in the corporation. Um, there's many things that happen with adults and kids mimic that. So they get the behavior. It's a learned behavior, but we can unlearn. Yeah. 
You're so right. You're so right. Yeah, the, that's what I call it also. The cycle of abuse continues. It has to stop somewhere. It starts actually with adults. You're right. Right. All right. So um, I, I want to give everybody option to pop off if they need to, because I know I know that Jamie um, has to go soon. <laughs> so so just feel free. We, we, we're just going to continue here and uh, we'll get in touch later. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much, Sean. Uh, mm-hmm. Jamie. Let's go right into what you're doing um, and uh, share with us where you at, what are the projects that you're working on, and tell us about your vision for the future, please. Absolutely. First of all, thank you, Katie, and thank you, Lira, for letting me be here. Uh, so I'm a mindset transformation coach, certified life coach, and NLP practitioner. Um, I believe it all starts and ends within the mind, and like Sean was men- like mentioning we all come from different types of adversity. Um, kind of where my perception of this is, is like since the beginning of time, we've had good, we've had evil. There's always going to be bad. We're always going to have adversity. And I think that despite what has happened over the last couple of years, we're we're doing the right things. We're trending in the right way. There's people coming out of the woodwork. woodwork. I live here in Austin, Texas, born and raised in Ohio. Lived in New York for a little bit. So I've been around and I also have clients all around in other countries and the mental health trend is still the same. But the beautiful part is that despite all of the differences, we have a common theme, theme and that is adversity and nobody is going to escape right life without it. And um, I think mental health is already becoming a very trending topic. But what I think is most important, um, especially for seeing in the, in the future, like if we're saying for 2050, Information isn't the problem (laughs) Um, because if I need to know tactics, I can Google it. If I need to search a therapist in my area, I can find one. If I need a virtual one, they're everywhere. Um, What I think is important is the leaders and the people that are stepping up to educate, to motivate, to inspire, and to like showcase proper vulnerability. We also need to constantly be working on ourselves and we need to set the example of those wanting to follow that trend. Because I will tell you a huge thing I coach on is boundaries. And every single person that I talk to about boundaries, I go, what is a boundary? They don't even know how to describe it, but they tell me they have a boundary. So everybody's using the terminology, but they need to be getting inspired by those that are walking the walk and talking the talk. And I think that that starts from the top working the way down. So the therapists, the coaches, the, 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 the people who are motivational speakers and that are creating all these programs, we need to constantly be investing in ourselves and we need to be working through our traumas. So that way we are the ones that are equipped to properly educate these people and inspire them to want to do it themselves. So I think that rather than looking at at a positive or a negative, the positive is going to be there and so is the negative. Expecting that we are 20 years from now going to be living sunshine and rainbows and not a single flaw in the world, that's just silly. (laughs) Um, So I think I'm making sure that we make it a point to stay very self-aware and we choose to work on us. Yes, we have to be worried about our environment, but we all have a device in our hands. And so we need to try to be able to do our best to get that good information out to those. So that's kind of my viewpoint on that. Um, I know I didn't really, I said kind of what it is that I do, but I specialize in working with the top dogs, the people who are working really hard and flexing on how much money they make and they're still miserable. Um, and so being able to allow people to work through their their deep stuff and and recognize 
how to create better habits to choose happiness and not be sucked into the adversity that happened to them because we always have a choice and we can see that life happened to us or life happened for us. And so I choose to step up and be a leader to do anything and everything I can moving forward to make sure that people know that their traumas do not define them and they too can overcome them just like anybody else. So thank you so much for having me. I know I kind of went on a tangent, but I wanted to make sure I hit all of the the points and the questions because I am going to have to get off of here to get on to my next client call. But uh, excellent topic, excellent panel you have here. I, I'm just grateful to be a part of this this winning conversation. So thank you. No, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Jamie. Um, yes, you, you touched on all of. Uh, it's very important. I was thinking about the expectations people have. Right? Yeah, we we often. Assume that if you're looking, um, and this is why I liked um, Sean's uh, this video about celebrities, how they were talking about how they were bullied, mm-hmm. etc. Or when they are talking about, especially like very successful people, role models, when they really share, well, this is what it got me to get that. This is what I'm dealing with every day. The, the, those are my diagnoses. Those are the things that I actually go through to be able to to be here and inspire what's not, right, or lead. Because often we have wrong expectations mm-hmm. of what is normality. And if and uh, I'm seeing people suffering alone because they don't know. Uh, Sean is trying to get back. <laughs> uh, so, um, but they are suffering alone because they don't understand that, oh my gosh, that is a, like maybe 99% of us dealing with something every day all the time. Mm-hmm. So what you're talking about, yes, is fantastic. And um, surely we're just mentioning your project where I saw specifically Jennifer Lawrence, like people who are really sharing, okay, I was bullied. This is what happened with me, right? It's like uh, when you're hearing role models really spelling it out, like this is yeah. what my stuff is. Like it's so helpful because otherwise we're never going to tackle it right. We, we're never going to have... Um, that mental health awareness and systems changed around it um, because it's not enough kind of pull that people are not asking for it enough because they it's like I'm just going to suffer through it it's just me and then we unfortunately lose people you know it's happened in my life no I think uh, what Jamie was saying is is point on I mean it's you know you're seeing too like the more that something becomes popular as mental health is now um you're going to get people to resist to even talk because they're scared that they're going to um, say what well, they're saying that because they want to people to have sympathy for them or it's selling. I mean, you can't win now. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, we're, we're trying to get people to talk about it. And now, you know, if someone's successful, you know, it's like, you know, there's so many people that are successful that just push through, um, but there's also people like Robin Williams who took his life. There's also people like uh, Anne Klein who took her life. We, I mean, we can go through a, a list of celebrities to Jamie's point who have a lot of money and success who are miserable because they had no one to talk to and they had no skill set or someone to actually sit down outside of their circle and talk to about because we do put a facade on. I know I did. Um, you know, I, I didn't want anyone to know that I had issues. Um, and that's kind of the, 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 the perception that society puts on us. Once you've made it, you can't show any weakness. And I believe me, I needed a Jamie to sit down and help and, and, and talk to me about some of the things because I needed to get outside of my head. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. That was amazing, guys. Amazing. So let's. Uh, so Jamie, I know if you if you have to pop off. Thank you. Nice to meet you. Yeah, yeah. Just keep in touch. Be be in the group, and we'll get in touch again. And perfect. Check. Thank you. All right. Perfect. All right, Irina. So I know that you, uh, I, we, we go back long time. And um, last interview, I saw of you, you were talking about your foundation. And I'm already talking about it with people. And it's just like everybody's like, oh my gosh, this is so, so cool. So, I, and what's something when you said uh, about your vision, I was like, I'm, I need you on the panel and for the interview because it's just, um, it just makes total sense. And it's exactly, you know, I'm, I hope that that's going to happen as well. So Irina, can you please tell us what you do? briefly and then go right into your vision and especially talk about your foundation and in yes i actually started the foundation because you you led with it so my foundation is for abused children ages 12 to 20 and i provide horse healing therapy mm-hmm. because so coming back like i was listening to sean about the technology my belief is also we need to go back in touch with nature, in touch with animals, in touch with one another, and through that community to to make change. And of course, technology is wonderful. I love my clients from around the world. But whenever possible, to come back to be in touch with an animal. So why did I choose horses or they chose me? I was abused as a child and I was severely abused. Like I had several ways of being abused uh, by my family members. And I developed this anger and strength and plows through. So I was lucky in my life and in my career because I was able to have a very successful corporate career in nuclear engineering where like I went and I was on top 15 in the world in my, in my specialty. But at that time, as, as, uh, as was mentioned, I was like a facade. Like I didn't even know I have issues. Like I thought, and I'm originally from Romania and I left and I came to Canada where I live now close to Toronto. And I thought, you know, my childhood is done. There is an ocean between me and the place of my birth and my family of origin. Nothing can touch me. I'm in a new country. So I was all cool in my career having success. But I hit a wall and then everything came down crumbling. And I understood that the issues from childhood, they're never gone unless you dealt with them and you took one by one and you healed. So I was very full to believe that I'm in a new life, in a new world, and I'm be successful and nothing from my past mentor. So as I changed my career and I changed it to based on intuition and based on angel guidance and I became a coach, I studied with Tony Robbins, strategic intervention and family therapy because he was uh, doing a program with a renowned family therapist. So I started to, to coach. And the first person that came to me, not the first, but like within the few people, she was in her 60, 68, maybe like really in her in age. And her mother passed 10 years prior to us having that conversation. And this lady 
still kind of wished that her mother would acknowledge her. So that was like my first light bulb, like someone who's 68-ish, I can't remember the age, but 60-something, her mother passed 10 years prior, and there she was, still like a girl wanting that approval from the parent. So I said, okay, this is like the past. And as I trained to become a coach, of course, I dealt with with my staff. And I also worked both with coaches and energy healing at the same time. So coach, which was like more the mental, the like the speech therapy, and then the energy healing, which was energy and intuition and the, even past lives and this life. Uh, healing a lot of this trauma one by one. And then I saw another client and another client. And I started to notice, like Lira was saying, that everybody had been abused in some sort of way in their life. So when I built my, my coaching and I started to work with businesses, yes, everybody wants like a bigger business to be more aligned, to make more money everything that we talk about in the business world. But I saw the family of origin patterns play out in the business world. So either they had uh, an assistant like their mother or their business partner was like their father. And again, those patterns of abuse from childhood would play out in a different way in the business world. So I take those people, which are adults, back to solve the family of origin patterns so they can have the business of their dreams. But the idea is, what if I can come back and I do this at the early age, Mm -hmm. at the 12, 14 and and I dedicate the foundation also to my 14-year-old self who was sexually abused, beaten, criticized, thrown on the street, like all those things. So I take everything that I've learned with adults and in my business coaching and, and energy healer, because I'm a business coach and energy healer at the same time, like uh, doing it together, and taking that and now offering it for children so they don't have to go through life like me not knowing that I need to heal and not knowing that because I I think I was almost burnt out in my corporate career because I had to keep that face and successful and boardrooms and executive meetings but I, I, I didn't know I just kept it all together luckily I switched before I collapsed but I know a lot of successful people who burn right out and then they cannot bring themselves up. Mm-hmm. So that's my vision to apply this healing of the patterns. And the the foundation name is Irinuka, which is my like my child name in, in a sense, uh, because I dedicate it to my inner child, but is child innocence foundation. Mm-hmm. Because the biggest problem any person that has been abused, they have, they believe something is wrong with them. That somehow because they have been abused, 
their innocence is ripped out from them and they are not good enough and they shouldn't be at the big tables or they shouldn't dare to have big visions in life. Mm -hmm. And the foundation is to tell those children that your innocence is never ripped away from you. The fact that somebody used your body for their uh, pleasure doesn't make you bad or damaged or broken. Yeah. And now the horses, why the horse? Because when I was abused, my father was a big man and he would beat me, right? So I tended to be afraid of things bigger than me. Mm-hmm. Even unconsciously, even to the fact that I never dated big men, I always dated someone like my statue. So, because I never thought that if something is bigger, it's going to hurt me. So, a horse is a big animal, but they are very pure and, and kind and empathic. So, when children will come to interact with the horses, because I don't want children to feel they're going to therapy or they're going, you know, they've been bad and they need to go somewhere. They are coming to kind of play with the horses in a sense, to interact with horses. And then that interaction, because the horse is so gentle, will create that awareness that I didn't have, then not necessarily big things are going to hurt you. So there, it will be a mental shift that, that there is kindness in this world. This is another thing that I'm learning as we speak. I'm learning the kindness of strangers. And, and that's why I think, Lira, you showed me kindness by inviting me to this panel. The kindness of stranger, which I've never experienced because I always walked out through the world thinking what, what's going to hit me next. And I have to be very vigilant and very in control and, and be very aware of everybody and everything that can hurt me. So through the foundation and through them being able to come and enjoy the activities, also they will learn that there is kindness in the world. And there is, there is, and another plan I have is that my clients will interact with, like my clients that are business owners will interact with the children and even maybe offer those children a, um, co-op because I would like those children to develop entrepreneurial skills because I feel it's really important when you have been abused to be able to kind of make your own money and make your own way into the life. So the children will see kindness from my clients, from the foundation and from everybody who donates to the foundation or comes and joins the forces. So that's the big vision. Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. And I'm so sorry you had to go through all of that. It's part of my oh, vulnerability. It's beautiful. And I, I think what you're doing is amazing. I, I'm a force lover. I have a, I was about to show you my little brace. I don't know if you can see it on the Zoom, but see the little brace style? Yes. We got to collaborate. I use, I sell these bracelets and I use that and I empower the kids um, at my foundation. Um, but I think using animals and, you know, we are social creatures. So I want to make sure that you understand technology is one form because we could reach more people. But I'm 
definitely in, in line with you on community, interacting with the ground. Um, I heard something the other day. I was at this beautiful mansion and this girl that I had met said, you need to go outside with no shoes on and just put your feet on the earth. We need to get back to socializing with not only flowers and people and animals. Um, and that's the country blame. I'm around all these city folks and no one's walking around with their shoes off. <laughs> yes, yes. I live in the country and of course the, the horses are in the country. So for yeah. me, that that's also part of my project to bring more people into nature and yeah, beautiful. Yeah. And to to be in touch with because I feel that a lot of the mental health is also disconnection right. from the natural reads. Like I myself, if I spend all day on the computer, my energy starts to shoot. But because of the work I do, I know and I always have breaks and I go in nature or I go to ground myself. Yeah. Oh, love it, love well, guys, I have to run. I didn't want to just get off, but I want to thank KT and 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 the two of you guys are amazing. And thank you so much for involving me in this. I have a a, a meeting at four o'clock or three o'clock, so I got a boogie. I didn't want to get off without saying thank you. I have so much gratitude and joy for all of this, and uh, hopefully we can do it again. And if anybody needs to get a hold of me, please do. Yes, please, thank please uh, keep in touch. I would like keep to in touch with each other. You guys in the same uh, time zone, so. Yes. <laughs> so lots of love and. Thank you. Back to you. Right. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Irina. That was amazing. Absolutely amazing. I so agree um, that, you know, it's it's actually like, yeah, it's like a, the chicken or the egg, right? Is it the parents or is it the, the upbringing or is it the children? But yes, whenever, wherever, it doesn't matter when we start helping somebody or helping ourselves maybe first, right, to heal it has to start somewhere. We have to start somewhere. I think it's it's so important because the you know we talked about it, the bullying, the cycle of abuse. It keeps happening because people are hurt. So if you understand mm. the origin of trauma and what it all and also how it really affects people, it's just so. It's like no, we we have to learn about this and we have to understand how to prevent that. And you will prevent that from. You know, growing people, confidence, uh, systemic change, of course, absolutely. Like there's so many complex things that could be done for our altogether mental health of humanity to just elevate out of that, you know, pain that, you know, so many people live on a regular basis. So thank you for all the work that you're doing and make sure that, um, you know, you in, in the group or in the channel, please leave more, uh, information about foundation so people can reach you. And I hope you're going to keep in touch with Sean here. <laughs> Amazing. So thank you, Katie. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for putting together this amazing panel. It, it, it's absolutely beautiful. So, um, so much like this very compassionate energy I'm feeling. So people are so, um, you know, really, really doing the work. So tell us about yourself. Of course, we met before, uh, on, uh, on your podcast. And I, look, you have a story. I know that you are personally interested and involved in uh, mental health uh, issues and helping people. So please tell us what you do. Tell us about your podcast. Tell how people can join your projects. 
and share with us your vision for the future, please. Yeah, so my name is Katie Mashler, and I'm the host of Quest for New Inspiration and the owner of New Inspiration Media. Um, I actually just got the notification that my LLC was named official, so it's official. Woot woot. Um, but yeah, my mission with the podcast in general, and then also kind of it's with social media and branding, marketing as a whole. Um, was to just share inspiration with other people. Yes, I don't have this vast career of helping people with their knowledge and helping people with their mental health struggles and getting involved with all of that. But I have had the opportunity to share some really amazing stories and meet some pretty incredible people. Um, I picked uh, Sean and Jamie for two very incredible reasons. Um, they both have had some very major impacts on my mental health, um, not only because um, Sean actually came to my high school when I was very young. I think I was a freshman or sophomore. Um, and I got to learn, not only see his presentation, but like learn from him, meet from him and learn about his story. And then he actually grew up in the same town um, he knew my mom um, from high school and we just grown this incredible, inspiring relationship to where later on when I started my podcast, I needed some inspirational people. And I knew that if even though he was this like famous person and this NFL player, that if I went for him, went to him with like a problem and a, asking for inspiration from him, he would quickly and happily say yes. So I was honored to have him on my podcast last year. And then Jamie, um, recently, um, my anxiety is still pretty prominent and I struggle with that every single day. So I am trying to shift how I um, deal with my anxiety. My anxiety has had a lot of effect on my actual body health and my physical health. Um, so Jamie um, has been one that I've reached out to to just teach me how to deal with anxiety and not let it affect me as a whole and me in my everyday life because that's kind of where I was at. I was letting it affect my job. I was letting it affect going out to dinner and stuff like that. So that's kind of where I see my podcasts in general <clears throat> going is not only sharing these incredible stories, but helping my anxiety ease and be open with just my general story and then helping other people relate to it in any way possible. Excuse my dog barking. <laughs> um, but yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Amazing. Amazing. And thank you so much. Absolutely. I mean, you, you, it, this, it was kind of a personal panel, right? It's just a really, um, uh, people who really are like playing a big part in your life, in, in your mental health. That's, that's incredible. It's, it's just, I love it. And you know what I wanted to share as well, as we talked about role models and, and sharing. Um, I, I hear you when you're talking about, you know, podcast and it's kind of really gathering people because I know I've been on your podcast and what we do, we're sharing our stories of overcoming and, uh, getting stronger and, and getting out of uh, our ruts or what's not what, whatever we, you know, experienced. And I think it's like, you know, this, uh, project for me and I've done 
throughout my lifetime, many, many projects around the world, you know, of them for 30 years. And this one was so personal as well. Um, meaningful trends is I was going through my own transformation. It was pandemic. It was, I was, you know, I moved, I love Hawaii. <laughs> you know, it's definitely the nature, everything that I felt I needed after maybe quite a bit of burnout of, you know, 30 something year career as a, you know, public figure and working with, you know, thousands of people. I just felt, you know, I've completed some kind of cycle and I've lost myself. I kind of was like, what am I? I don't even know anymore. I'm, I've been working, working, working. And I needed that time to reconnect with myself. And so I took off almost like two years. And of course, nobody knows, right? Because life goes on. I have my groups. I'm working. People see me still. But internally, I was going through that time where I was like, why am I here? What am I doing? So it was my personal crisis. And it felt quite a bit like, um, I mean, I don't want to call it depression just because other people might who actually go through real depression might say, well, that's not depression. <laughs> but in my case, for always being so heightened in my energy and so active to just sit in isolation, lockdowns, all of that stuff kind of together affected me. And I was just like, I've lost my energy. I've lost myself. And I was like, I, as a professional, I know you don't sit in isolation. <laughs> I'm not doing that to myself. Because I've done it to myself a long time ago, going through trauma, I was by myself. I was like, no, I'm going to go and reach out to people and I'm going to start a project that's going to fill me up. It's personal for me as well as it is hopefully for other people. And I'm, I know I'm getting feedback so much from people watching us and uh, learning from us. But uh, that boost of energy, that sense of purpose, that sense of connection that I have with all of you is really. Uh, is benefiting me as well. So I want to say, first of all, a huge thank you for all the guests and for you in particular. But um want to acknowledge and share that, yes, what we do in life is a lot about managing our own mental health in whichever way we can. And this is why I believe in creative therapy, because if you look at therapy in a larger sense, it doesn't have to be just a conversation uh, with a good listener who doesn't say a word or prescribe you pills. But instead, can we see that what we do in life, like leading projects, like having podcasts, right? Like having foundation, like whatever we are doing, we are doing it for ourselves as well. And once we embrace that, our life becomes so much deeper. It has so much more meaning comparing, well, it's just a job. It's just a business. It's just a side hustle I'm doing. No, no, no. You are actually healing yourself through that. This is really what keeps you elevated. This is what keeps you going. And of course, we know that. I know that uh, I'm a very purpose-driven person. As soon as I have other people, I have something I'm doing for others, then I am much more willing to be there for that and be active. <laughs> and of course, there's probably a lot to heal. Why is it that I'm that, that way, right? But just being for myself, it's kind of almost not enough, right? That's what I'm realizing. And uh, it's interesting, right? So I know that work for me is that part where I really show up and I get to play and that helps my mental health 100%. I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> and I, I believe that in order for us, our purpose always has a piece for us and a piece for others. I don't yeah. think we can heal in isolation just like if we're by ourselves. Or if we only give to others, I think that balance between our purpose 
helping us and our purpose helping others, I think that's the balance that keeps us healthy. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Katie, tell us where can people find you? Tell us where specifically where the podcast is, how they can join your do, do you have any programs? Do you have anything going um, behind the scenes that people can also maybe take from you or uh, be in your world somehow? Do you have a group or anything like that? Yeah, if um, you want to follow us on social media, it's the quest for new inspiration. Or um, I don't have a big like group quite yet, but I do take lots of submissions for um, either inspirational stories or advice that people would like to share. I love getting new stories from new people. Um, even if you don't think your story is inspirational, trust me, there's some piece of your story that somebody will relate to, somebody can connect with. Um, or then uh, newinspirationmedia.net is my social media website that also has my podcast on it. Um, so all my social media services, whether you need um, management, content creation, or coaching, that will be there. And then you can find the podcast on any of your favorite podcast players, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, um, pretty much anything. If you can't find it on something, DM me. I want to know where you can't find it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, your podcast is absolutely amazing. It's amazing. Thank you. I love what you do. And I absolutely love your energy because uh, you you do you do have that sort of you, you do have compassion for people and it really shows through when you're talking with your guests and um and I encourage everybody to listen to the podcast and of course go and find Katie and connect with her personally so you could um you could support her and she could support you guys. Yes, I'd love to. <laughs> Well, I think it was an amazing panel. I am so grateful for you to be here. I know it's not the last time we, I see you guys. So um, I am encouraging everybody, guys, to, as you watch us, uh, get in touch with our guests, ask them questions. They will be here to answer them. If you have, if you're suffering right now with any uh, mental health issues, please know that you're not alone, that there is always help. There's always hope. This is so important to know that today, how you feel today, it's not probably how you're going to feel tomorrow. You just have to um, have the tools, have the resources to get yourself through that initial dip. I call it the dip. Um, and then um, know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I think it's so important for to know. And I feel like from, you know, throughout my 30 years of doing the work, I'm always seeing, looking back and knowing and seeing so many people who had overcome they, um, uh, they, they, their mental health issues and how are they feeling now and how they look back and, and say, oh, I wish I knew this. So I, I think share with other people as well what's going on and how are you helping yourself? Because I think that's a huge part of um, all of us as a humanity elevating from this place and assuring that the future <laughs> is going to be so much brighter and so much lighter uh, for all of us. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here. And thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And that is it for this week's episode. Thank you again for tuning in. It truly does make a difference. Make sure you share it with a friend or follow us on social media. If you have inspirational advice, go ahead and DM me on Instagram or Facebook. 
I am always looking for new stories. 